wanting to control the environment a lot, trying to to um, set up situations for in which there's the least amount of distraction or uh, impingement. So the the idea of a retreat, of course, uh, carries that uh, opportunity. When we think of a retreat, we think of a special situation. And just notice, like, what special means, uh, wanting special conditions, special situations, the uh, or ideal conditions, perfect monastery, perfect uh, climate, perfect teacher. <coughs> These are uh, what we we create in our mind, wanting something that we imagine would be the best or the ultimate. So then coming back to the ordinary rather than the special. I mean we, we live in a in a culture that, that wants that we all want to be special people, don't we? We we like to think of ourselves as in in ways that we're rather special or unique. Um, usually, uh, an average life is seeking extremities of various kinds. Have have a lot of fun, a lot of pleasure, excitement, romance, adventure. Uh, seeking, so seeking special situations, which these are are made possible. So the ordinary is uh, is the emphasis that we're pointing to to establish awareness around what is common and ordinary rather than what is special. So what's ordinary right now? Nothing's more ordinary than your breathing, isn't it? The inhalation, exhalation. There's nothing special about that unless you've got some kind of breathing difficulty. I mean, just the ordinary breath, one inhalation, exhalation, or the uh, just the the four postures: sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Not doing incredible asanas and and uh, unique uh, positions with our bodies, but just. Uh, going to the ordinariness of the sitting, standing, walking and lying down. Or the sound of silence, the just ordinary background um, vibration. Nothing special about it. So these are the these are the basis of of uh, our awareness bringing attention to the, to this because these are happening all the time whether we're you know in a retreat situation or or not now notice when we when we have ideas about attaining uh you know we read meditation manuals or scriptures or whatever and we we build up ideas of getting rid you know getting rid of defilements getting rid of the ten fetters, the kilesas, 
achieving the jhanas, uh, getting samadhi. Now this is this is one way of this is this is usually how the language uh, uh, is presented to us. So that this always implies to me anyway that you you know it's trying to get something special, get rid of uh, you know defilements, bad thoughts, uh, negative mental states, uh, free from attachment. Um, be yourself from all clinging um, get a high level of concentration so these this this way of thinking is the the creates a sense of having to do something having to get something and of course this is this is how we think and and how we interpret many of the teachings that we have. But then to notice the effect that has on your mind, this idea of having to get something. Now you can be aware of just the sense of having to meditate. Just this, uh, I should be meditating. Uh, what does, how do, can you notice, can you pay attention or reflect on the kind of uh, feeling that presents to you this sense of you should be doing something that you're not doing right now. Uh, just to notice, it's not to to uh, say there's anything wrong with thinking this, but to notice how easily we, we um, become compulsive in whatever we, we take up. To get samadhi becomes a compulsion, or get the jhanas, or uh, achieve stream entry, or whatever. These these are fine in themselves, but to notice that the way we think about them, the way we we uh, hold these concepts, what does it do? What does it bring up in in your consciousness? You're, you're really learning from from the effect of how you think and how language affects conscious experience. So the in the practice of Dhamma, it's the the total opposite of uh, say worldly endeavors. In the worldly life it is a matter of achieving and attaining, getting rid of obstacles, getting knowledge that we don't have, acquiring skills that we don't have, getting positions that we don't have, uh, to be successful, quote unquote in the worldly terms, is a matter of striving, achieving, um, Strong will, using a lot of will, determination to get something or attain something. Because that, the world is around, um, att- attaining the best, having success, having good fortune, having happiness. And, and then the opposite, the fear of not getting. There's always, with every, uh, 
desire for success, there's always the fear of failure that goes along with it. When our aim is, is to find happiness, then there's always the, the, the dukkha that goes along with that. The suffering that when we don't have the happiness that we are looking for, then we suffer. <clears throat> so the teaching of the eight worldly dharmas uh, to reflect on on the the power of these what they call the worldly dhammas good fortune, bad fortune, status, high status, no status, uh, praise and blame, happiness and suffering. Now these are these are called the worldly dhammas. This is this is uh, when we're identified with the world uh, and that is our goal is to achieve and attain some kind of worldly uh, uh, ideal to find happiness then uh, this is all a matter of, of seeking something that we, we don't have and uh, trying to get rid of the suffering we might have right now or the sense of inferiority or failure that we might feel about ourselves to get rid of that to feel we are successful and have achieved our goal and that uh, if you've got low status if you feel you're low you have low status or you're not respected or you're lower then then there's always the, the desire to to have a higher status to be respected And this is all a matter of thinking, you know, when we create ourselves, this is a matter of, we create ourselves through thoughts. So the, the uh, practice of sati-sampatanya then is this awareness and the uh, intuitive sense of bringing into consciousness the way things are. Which includes the special, and isn't it isn't a, you know an annihilation of extremity or speciality, but it's a, it includes the ordinary, and the ordinary is what we generally ignore or not give our attention to, and that the ordinariness of this moment, we can completely ignore it by our determination to to attain a special state to achieve a goal or to get rid of uh, some negative mental state we might be having. <clears throat> so this is this is a kind of reflection you you can use in a retreat situation or ordinary life, daily life. Just the ordinariness of standing, sitting, walking, lying down, and breathing, bringing yourself into this present moment fully, fully receiving it as it is, rather than trying to control it. 
So I found in in my own practice this this uh, the uh, words that help me uh, to not get caught in the striving, achieving habits that are so strong in my own life is to uh, tell myself to to relax. Uh, I used to have this mantra thing, don't have to do anything, not going anywhere, doing nothing. And I remember when I lived in Thailand uh, with Lung Po Cha, it was a very uh, ambitious monk. And so this would get me into very tense, uh, uh, uptight kind of uh, situations. And uh, then I just tell myself, really, you don't have to do anything. And Pachar said, just stay in the monastery. Uh, you don't even have to practice meditation. You just learn to keep keep the Vinaya, that's all. And then you don't even have to practice meditation. And I was a bit appalled, actually, because I... I wasn't about to do that. Just be a monk sitting in a monastery, not striving to get to Nibbana. Uh, but this, I remember him telling me that. And of course I didn't, uh, you know, I've remembered that obviously, so it obviously left a strong impression. But I remember feeling uh, at the time then <laughs> no thank you <laughs> uh, because my nature is one to want something to do you know so this is the kind of uh, conditioning that my mind has is a striving kind of mind and uh, obsessive compulsive attitude So, I mean, brought up in the kind of middle-class American society, this is very much part of what being an American is. Is, is this, uh, you know, the way I was educated and the, the attitudes of my peers and society were, were all like this. It's not like some personal flaw. It's just, just part of a, a, a mindset a conditioning of the mind. <coughs> so what Lumpur Charles pointing to was being aware of the conditioning of the mind rather than letting that be the the thing that, that pushes and and uh, compels you. So there's this kind of compulsiveness, obsessiveness with things. Um, some of them were very good things. It wasn't like I was they were leading towards uh, to doing uh, wrong things or immoral actions or getting myself into trouble. A lot of much of the compulsion was towards attaining uh, perfection, trying to to get the samadhi, get the the stream entry, uh, make something of my life. 
be a good monk. These are all rather noble and good goals, and uh, so the and the the tendency to obsess oneself with trying to attain them. So it's a, it's an interesting challenge to to a human being to be to be conditioned in one way to attain and achieve and then to uh, see through this 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 uh, these desires to attain and achieve so when we trust in the awareness of the moment this awareness brings us into this transcendence of these compulsive obsessive tendencies our cultural conditioning or character tendencies or whatever you want to call it is then uh, is put into a perspective a perspective that we can actually notice be aware of this feeling of having to get something or get rid of something I remember in in, uh, in the Thai monasteries, you know, as the Western monks were usually, you know, we had similar problems. So we were very kind of goal-oriented. And I remember I used to look down on the Thai monks because they didn't seem to be practicing as hard as I do. You know, I was intensely going at it full strength and they seemed to be all that concerned. <laughs> And the kind of kind of arrogance that comes from uh, thinking, you know, I'm I'm going to do it, and, and and then looking down on somebody else. So learning to relax, they when in the uh, they when in a formal retreat, you know, just the idea of it being formal, sitting one hour, walking one hour, or you know, a kind of controlled situation. This can also put us into kind of compulsive uh, attitude towards it. And not that that's wrong. I'm not trying to say you shouldn't, but to notice just how you. You know how the, just the the perception of formal retreat in a in a controlled schedule how that affects you, and I, and it doesn't matter you know what how it affects you or you know if it if it's uh, if you if you find you resist it or you like it some people love everything kind of you do this now and then you do this and you ring the bell and then you get up and then you know what to do every moment of the day. <clears throat> Some people really like that. And other people don't. So, uh, it's, a, it's not a matter of saying one is, uh, that you should be one way or the other, but just to notice liking everything kind of laid down and, and prescribed is like this, or feeling oppressed or, or uh, resistant to 
to being controlled by a, a, a schedule is like this. So there's noticing the way it is. Because there's no no way it should be. You know, what, what you're feeling right now, this moment, is the way it is. Not a matter of me telling you how you should feel right now. That would be ridiculous, isn't it? And because uh, the, what you're feeling right now is the way it is. And so the awareness of what you're feeling right now that awareness is not a critical, it's not criticizing. So if you're feeling good or bad or whatever right now, if you're aware, it's not, it's not making any kind of judgment about it, it's just noticing. Feeling good is like this, feeling bad is like this. Feeling inspired, feeling bored, feeling depressed. Uh, not knowing what you're feeling is like this. So it's uh, this sense of um, the way it is, the as-isness, the suchness, these kind of words, are not descriptive, are they? They're not defining or descriptive, they're pointing to that which is now and and is very unique in a, in a personal sense to to each one of us, the kind of the mood that, that I happen to have at this moment. It's not going to be the same mood that, that you have at this moment. Or, I mean, we can point to the common factors of breathing. We're all sitting. Breathing and sitting and sound of silence. These are not, these are not, uh, these are ordinary kind of, that we're all experiencing at this moment. Or, then the mood, particular mood or physical uh, sensations you're having right now. Some might feel restless or have pain or feel comfortable or whatever, but the awareness uh, allows whatever to be what it is. It's not not uh, prescribing how things should be, but just accepting, receiving the presence of of the condition that exists at this time in, the, in this here and now. So during this retreat. You know, this this isn't a retreat to the thing you're going to attain anything. Or if you if you are, if you if you got some kind of goal to to achieve something, notice the, this desire to achieve, to get something out of this retreat. <clears throat> the other day, we were having breakfast, and somebody was saying that it's been in the song a long time that they. They ha- they they've always had this feeling they haven't made any progress, haven't gotten anywhere after all these years. <laughs> and, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> uh, 
Because that, that which wants to feel, you know, that I've really, you know, I've really achieved and attained something, you know, that's, uh, that comes from thinking, me, I'm somebody who has, you know, really uh, achieved uh, some, something that, that I want. Because in the, in the worldly sense, it's, this, this life isn't going to be satisfying in that way. Monasticism is not, you know, unless, you know, you make it into a worldly endeavor, like, uh, you know, one can join the Sangha and then become a meditation master or, uh, you know, get titles and, uh, and uh, prizes and get positions. Join the World Fellowship of Buddhists. Become a trustee of the English Sangha Trust. Become president of the Buddhist Society. Uh, and there's different Buddhist organizations. You can, sometimes monks come here with their little uh, name cards with all their lists of, of their the advisor to the uh, World Buddhist Organization or the Conference or World Peace and this and that, and a whole list of, of positions that they've achieved and attained or writing books. Now one can use uh, the form for worldly success. And also, because of that, we can use it for a sense of failure. You know, you know, I haven't gotten anywhere, I'm just a nothing monk, nobody knows me. I'm, don't have any samadhi. I've never learned Pali very well. I've, uh, you know, I've never been the kind of, I don't have any charisma. And I can't teach. Lousy chanter. And so then we can feel, oh, I'm a, I'm a failure as a monk. Now these are, these, of course, this is looking at, at Buddhist monasticism from that worldly position, isn't it? I've, I've received honorable, uh, PhDs from the major universities of the world for my, uh, you know, my writings and, and I'm really an important monk or I'm a, I'm just, uh, you know, a kind of nobody. Wasted my life. Now this is this is due to the eight worldly dhammas. The sense of having progressed or not progressed is a is a is a pattern of thought that we that we can grasp. So it's not a matter of of that one has a, you know the sense of I have. Progressed as a personality, I'll say. I can say, and I think this might be true on a, in a worldly sense. I'm probably a nicer person than I was. At least I hope so. <laughs> that was before I started. I know my mother said I was. She wasn't all that keen on me becoming a Buddhist monk. But when I did go home, you know, I didn't go home for about 13 years. Uh, 
And uh, my mother noticed. She said, "You're you're a lot nicer than you used to." <laughs> so, it, it, on the worldly sense, it did have a good effect on my my parents and on me too. But in the, just being a nice person is not liberation, is it? It's, it's not uh, as as you know, kind of on a personal level being less critical and a little more appreciative and and uh, patient and that is is also worthy of praise but as an end in itself and one can still feel you know if one is still caught in that realm of the eight worldly dhammas then it uh, uh, some you know the uh, the, the kind of liberating qualities that the Buddha pointed to have maybe have not been realized, not been recognized. So that uh, recognition is through this awareness. The ordinary, you know, always coming always in a sense of here and now opening and receiving this whatever is happening both internally and externally so and when I was in Chile last year uh, the mayor of Rancagua gave me a nice clock and it's an area where there's a lot of copper mines. It's made out of copper and uh, quite attractive and has lapis lazuli kind of bits, uh, you know, where the where the the hands go for, you know, 12 noon and 1, 2, 3. <clears throat> so I put that on the wall in my kuti. Looks very nice there. But every time I sit there in the kuti, it makes a loud noise. <laughs> so, so this uh, this this nice clock. I mean, what should I do? You know, the the it's a nice looking clock. I'm quite fond of it. Uh, looks nice where it is. And then when I sit, you know, tick tock, tick tock. And I could see myself, uh, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, feeling annoyed by this, this, uh, this sound. And then, then the thoughts would come, you know, like, uh, Maybe I should take it off the wall, <laughs> put it in another room or something, give it to the monks vihara. <laughs> but instead, I, I looked into this desire to, you know, that well, the clock's here, the tick tock is is as it is. It's just the part of this moment. It belongs. So this way of including what 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 you might find annoying 
you know, I could easily, there's no problem taking it down and putting it in the cupboard. But, uh, but then, you know, that one, I could do that. But why not? I, I prefer to, to solve the problem this way. <clears throat> so, just, uh, using situations like this that where, where there is annoying things, like with here, uh, now the, uh, it's, it's getting close to spring. In a week it'll be spring. spring officially. Springtime. Means the grass starts growing fast. And you know what that means? <laughs> and you know what the sound of the lawnmowers of Amarvati are? So, so I remember, you know, teaching retreats in the in the meditation center, you know, and then the, the lawnmower starts. They start mowing the grass outside, you know. This loud noise enters, and and uh, everybody's sitting there. And I can see them getting irritated by this, the loudness, the irritation of this mechanical sound. And then using it, it belongs, because at this moment, this is the way it is. This moment includes the noise of the lawnmower. So this is, this is a, you know, a reflective ability we have, uh, because this is the way it is at this moment. Whatever is happening, whatever you're experiencing, whether internally in your own mind, your own emotional, uh, quality of this moment or external it is the way it is this is an honest recognition there's no it's not, you're not covering over anything you're not denying you're not uh, complaining it's just noticing or if the lawnmower you feel annoyed with the lawnmower then that also the feeling of annoyance is like this not wanting this sound is like this, the way it is. So, you notice this irritating feeling of wanting, of being reacting with aversion to some external sound is like this. So, this this is what we mean by developing wisdom, seeing that that the way it is. This realm that we're living in is like this. It's a sense realm. It, we have these kind of bodies. And so they, you know, they're sensitive forms. So they feel pleasure and pain, heat and cold, aches. They have arthritis. They have um, itches, all different levels of uh, uh, irritating sensations on the body and then the eyes and ears, nose, tongue, the mind itself. And we have some some conditions, some situations the happy memories arise. We feel good or unpleasant ones arise. <coughs> so it's in in developing awareness, sati and panya, wisdom, then this uh, allows us to receive whatever the, whatever is happening, whatever we're experiencing in this 
sense of allowing, of receiving and accepting something or everything, whether we like it or not. So how do you do that? You know, that's a, that, that's a good idea. Then you can grasp the idea. I should be able to receive and accept everything in this moment. And then, you know, you grasp that, th- those words and then something unpleasant happens and, and, uh, you, you, I should be able to receive this. It's like telling your, commanding yourself to relax. You say, Ajahn Sumedho says to relax. And so you go more tense. Because we can, you know, even the grasping of really good ideas is still kind of, is still grasping. If we can't, you know, we, we, the teachings of the Buddha and, and all this, uh, you know, as excellent as they are, if we just grasp them and out of ignorance, out of not understanding, then we, we experience suffering from that. We experience the dukkha of that grasping. So what I'm saying now is, is not for grasping, but for encouraging. And it's trying to to encourage you to trust yourself, to open more, to to uh, look at things more directly, not to you know to to learn about yourself, to trust yourself in your experience. Most of our lives are is quite ordinary. You know, when you when you look at your, you know, when when I think of my life, what I remember of it, you know, most of it's about you know putting on the robe and taking it off and brushing my teeth and shaving and getting up and going to bed and and uh, walking from my cootie to the dining hall and and uh, going to the toilet and uh, you know things like that are so ordinary so banal so uninteresting and yet most of our life is 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 that ordinariness isn't it then there there are things where special events happen you know, so, so you have, you know, the, the special things, uh, both good and bad, happen to us. Extremities of, of success or failure or praise or blame. But most of, most of our life has been just this, this kind of routine, you know, eating, sleeping, walking, sitting, standing, like that, breathing, So the, then, the in in the objects of that establish this sense of present here and now is going to that which is most ordinary, like the breathing, the posture, sound of silence. So 
then in the Satipatthana, you know, you start out with the Gayanupasana Satipatthana, the, the, uh, the, uh, mindfulness of the, of the, of the body. And this is very important because when we just want to get into mental states uh, and forget the body, then then we 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 develop um, you know a lot of problems because just just living in mental worlds is, can can be very uh, we can lose our connection to this moment because we we t- we tend to move into refined mental states. So the the physical body is a coarse, nice earthy condition. Your body, you know, made out of bones and blood and nerves and and uh, earth, fire, water, and air—the four elements—and uh, so it's uh, it, and it. it it's heavy and it, it's sensitive and it's very earthbound. <clears throat> so, when Gayanupasana Satipatthana, the mindfulness of the body, this is very important to establish this, this to, to ground, to, to touch the earth, to, to be with the body as it is in its ordinariness. So we're not seeking you know, to put the body into special situations such as ascetic uh, kind of torture or or unusual conditions, but just the the movement of the body as as it moves through the day and the night, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, being aware of it. When like when we're sitting here in the in the temple, you know, bringing attention to the sensations of it. This will, if you, if you concentrate on the sensations of the body, you know, you, you bring this body into your consciousness. In other words, it gives you an, an anchor. It, it gives you a foundation for practice that is, that is very much uh, necessary. So, because this moment includes this body, we're not trying to, you know, if we think, well, I don't want to be bothered with the body. I want to go into a nice, high state of, of bliss, mental bliss. Uh, and sometimes we can, you know, that's that, when the conditions allow for that, that happens. But if that's our goal, then, then we're, we're getting into dangerous territory, actually. So, so the... Emphasis like on sila, on moral morality, is about action and speech. You know, not using the body uh, or our ability to speak for uh, harmful activities, divisive activities. Then, in, in meditation on the body, to you will find the more conscious you you allow your body to become in the present as you bring it into consciousness then the tensions in it uh, can be released it's like the body 
really likes to be noticed. So then, this is how I experience it anyway. That when I do like this sweeping practice that Goenkaji emphasized, I found that very skillful technique. Just to bring into consciousness the, the sensations, often a very neutral sensations. You go from the top of the head down to the soles of the feet and and the body after one of those is quite relaxed. It, it seems to be full and completely kind of balanced in itself. It's like a pity, developing pity. What they call pity is one of the jhana factors. So that that this this uh, the more you you look at at just reflect on the body, bringing into consciousness, say the, the top of the head, the the uh, face, the mouth, the ears, and the neck, the shoulders, and the arms, and so forth, down through the the trunk of the body to the to the feet. Just by bringing attention, make it, just as you mentioned, just like when I think right hand, this right hand becomes, even if I'm not looking at me, I'm just thinking, right now I'm thinking right hand. And I'm, my right hand is, in, is conscious. It's in my consciousness. It's as simple as that. I think left foot. Yep, that's right. Pops right up. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> All I have to do is think, and then then it appears. So the body then is, you know, using uh, just by uh, sweeping through these um, the sensations of the body. It, it also, you you it opens you up to subtle sensation. Like I remember when I first started doing this. Uh, and they, they said, go to the top of your head. and Couldn't feel a thing. <laughs> Didn't seem to be any sensation at the top of my head. But now when I do it, I feel, you know, really it's quite changeable, the sensations at the top of my head. Quite obvious. But, you know, when I first started, because it you know, never developed any kind of awareness around the top of my head. So this this technique, uh, I encourage you to to develop as a as a kind of grounding, stabilizing way of uh, practice. Because at this moment, the, if you want to do something, turn to something, then then the body and the breath are very grounding conditions. Bring you, you know, they're here and now, they are what they are. Then that gives you a, a foundation, in a sense of a kind of stable foundation for investigation and for refined mental states. So, as uh, you know, one, one, uh, and notice being aware of of subtleties and of and, and and this 
and exploring, you know, seeing the, the, the way of letting go and of non-attachment in the Four Noble Truths. So, reflect on it, everything belongs, whatever's happening to you at this moment, um, if it's, if it, you know, if it, if it's in your consciousness, it is the way it is. And, and rather than thinking if, if you're having a, uh, bad thoughts or something like that, you shouldn't be, but even bad thoughts belong, if that's, if that's what uh, as a rising, um, they are what they are. Bad thought. Don't you don't even have to. I I and now I wouldn't even label them bad thoughts. That's that's making them more than what they are. This, they are what they are. More and more, it moves towards just just this receiving quality without having to to uh, label it as good or bad. Because the, the, the panya or the wisdom discerns that. In, panya allows us to know something for what it is, but it doesn't necessarily have to name it or judge it or label it in any way. So the more we, uh, you know, the, the judgment usually from, you know, strong cultural conditioning and and uh, so a sense of ourself, you know, the, the ego, the sakyaditi, you know, uh, judging our thoughts or our emotions in some value judgment, good, bad, right, wrong. <clears throat> but if we learn to trust in the awareness, then the panya can operate, which is not judgmental or critical, but discerning. It, no one doesn't live in a kind of state of kind of unconscious bliss or, uh, you know, beyond it all, but uh, very much with it. But there's, there's wisdom that, is, that we can take refuge in, this, this uh, panya. It's natural to us. It's not, not something we create. It operates when we let go of ignorance, when we let go of desire, then wisdom can operate in our conscious moment. So I hope this evening's reflection uh, encourages you you know, I'm not trying to teach you anything. This is this retreat is meant to be just an encouragement. You know, and the, what am I encouraging you to do is to trust yourself more. To trust not your views and opinions or your your perceptions, but your ability to to be awake, to be aware. to be with this moment, this intuitive ability we have. 
That that you can trust. In terms of views and opinions, I don't trust even my own. I can still have views and opinions, but I don't trust them. But what I do trust is uh, awareness. And this, this, if I, when I fully commit myself to awareness, rest in it, then, then there is a, a sense of fearlessness, you know, not, nothing to fear. As soon as I go back into becoming somebody, then all the anxiety and fear come back with that. Being a person, uh, being a personality, being a, uh, you know, identifying with all these conditions, with the body and the and the memories and the views and opinions, then I immediately fall back into the fear realm. So fear is is uh, is the uh, you know is the result. It's, it's part of the fear realm. It's part of the conditioned realm. It's identifying with the body, with the five khandas, the rupa, vedana, sanya, sankara, vinyana. And the, that identity, that attachment is, uh, the result is always some, some, is, is frightening. There's fear that haunts us and stalks us. When we let go of that, then, then the fear goes. So this is to be realized. Is like budgetang vaitidapo vinui to be realized individually by the wise. Now it's it's a subtle change. It's a subtle shift from attachment to non-attachment, from from clinging to letting go, letting things be, from identity, from uh, with the with the five. Kandas to uh, not identify. The five kandas are what they are, but no longer do we seek our identity in them. So when we do that, then we experience this the natural state of being, of presence, that that uh, where where fear is not is not. Uh, there's nothing to be frightened of. But as soon as we forget that and go back into the condition, attachment to conditions, then there's a lot to be frightened of on that level, true. This this is a, this is a survival of the fittest realm. There's a lot to fear right now in the world situation. Terrorism and you know Britain's a pretty obvious target for terrorists these days. There's a lot to fear. And it's not just being. It's not like being neurotic or something wrong with you. On a personal level, on a conditioned plane, there's always a lot to fear. Because this realm is a is is a fear realm, the sensitive realm. It's the realm where where what we love can be snatched away from us, just like that in the moment where 
where we can lose all our money, where we can, uh, you know, get terrible diseases or be shot or be uh, humiliated or abused or whatever. There's, all, there's so much potential for pain, misery in the, in the conditioned realm. And that's just the way it is. The conditioned realm is changing, unstable. It is the way it is. It has its beauty and, and also its ugliness and its pleasure and its pain. So, it, it's, we're not denying the conditioned realm, but we're including it. And in that, rather than identifying with it and limiting ourselves to the conditions, we're, what we say, transcending it. But that word transcendence can sound like we're going, you know, way above it. But that's not what I mean. What this means is it embraces this realm. So in a mindful moment, when you're sitting here in the temple, you're, and you do, uh, say, reflection on the body, sitting, you're actually including the body in this moment with this moment, you know, the body is in your consciousness. Uh, it can be your right hand or it can be the whole body, whatever way you want to, you know, you can look at it in bits and pieces or in its, in its wholeness, the whole body or the top of the head or the big toe on the right foot. They all belong in the present, whatever. <laughs> and so the body then is is embraced in this transcendent moment with the awareness is the is the transcendence itself so that transcendence isn't turning against the world or rejecting it but embracing it including it and so this we can actually do you know this wherever we happen to be whatever state we're in, whatever condition we happen to find ourselves. Or if you want kind of bliss and kind of permanent tranquility, then you have to go to a sensory deprivation tank or find some place that you can control completely to have no irritating impingements on you. Uh, where you can exclude everything, you know, get rid of and and resist and exclude every every possible irritation. But then you're limited to that place, isn't it? You have to live in a in a kind of sterile void, and uh, you know that that for for in order to appreciate that desired state. But this kind of includes, so the, the sound of the lawnmower, whatever is, is, we, we embrace in the moment. And yet we are transcending it. So in terms of your own experience, how does that, you know, this is, no, this, I'm, these are just words that I'm saying. 
But so this is something you you need to prove to you. So how does that actually? How do you? How is that? What what do I mean by this? How 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 do you experience? What is when I say transcendence right now? What is it? Don't try to don't make it too high or too too refined because it's quite ordinary, quite simple, nothing special. Transcendence is is ordinary. It's not special. It just sounds special when I say the word. <laughs> so I offer this for your reflection. <laughs>